This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. All right, guys, welcome back to the show. It is another episode, another day, another dollar, and I'm pretty excited to have on a good friend of mine that, hey, again, once again, we've come in contact through social media, and we never shook hands in person, but that might be changing pretty soon. But other than that, we've got to know each other over the phone, through text, and all that good stuff. So I'm glad to introduce to you today, Jared. And Jared, I'm not going to I'm not going to chop your last name up because I don't, I don't want to met You go ahead and tell me how you say your last name. Pronounce it. All right. So it's easier than it looks. I'm going to tell you how to remember it. Okay. So, you know, it's, it's a French name and it looks a little bit confusing there at the end, but you pronounce it serenade. Serenade. Okay. And the way to remember that is like when you serenade someone, just get rid of the D oh. and that's the, that's the way it sounds. So. Oh, okay. That's easy. All right. Yeah. I'll tell you. So Jared serenade. Born and raised in Violet, Louisiana. That's actually my youngest daughter's name is Violet. I don't know if that's how okay. it's actually pronounced um, for you guys. Yeah, that's what we say. We just say Violet. But um, kind of just go over a little bit of the bio for you guys listening in today. Like I said, I'm pretty excited about it. Um, he's uh, born and raised in Louisiana, and so there's so much there that I want to know about and learn about. But a little bit about him. Um, he said he basically didn't... Uh, start hunting until his 20s and had no idea what it was really like and then went all in basically it sounds like a lot of us duck hunters just went full bore once you start and realize how fun it is and how great it is then you uh you basically just go all in and that's that's a story of all the duck hunters lives it seems like but graduated from university of new orleans in 2007 with a degree in film which by the way jared has a youtube channel you guys gotta check it out outside the levees 
and he's grown, I think, very well, and he puts out very quality. So you can definitely tell that he's been in the industry for a long time. Um, he decided to start a video production business and eventually found work filming in the outdoor industry, and it fit right in with his passion. Like I can definitely attest to that. I know what he means by that. And then you just built relationships and in the industry, and then you do video marketing and promotion for Gator Tail Outboards. And then you also do um, freelance videography. And I'm, I don't, hopefully I'm not still in your thunder. I kind of want to just give this introduction for you, Jared. Mm-hmm. But yeah, man. You also produced a regional outdoor TV show for eight years. And now, like I said, he started that YouTube channel, which is doing great, super high quality, fun to watch. And the dude, I don't know if he claims to be a chef, but <laughs> some of the stuff <laughs> he cooks up, like I'm like, dude, you need to be working in a five-star restaurant or something. But And then he's married. His wife's name's Tia, and he has two sons, Milo and Jack. So officially welcome to the MVM show, Jared. Man, I'm excited. Uh, I, I love everything about California. I love what you're doing there. I love when I love that people don't understand what a sportsman's paradise California is. Like I just grin. I'm like, you do you have no idea. That yeah. place is like I mean, just look at what you've been doing lately. Mm-hmm. Like right after, you know, the fact that you hunted ducks as much as you do, now you're hunting turkeys. Like people don't understand that. So I'm excited to be a part of that and, and I, I love seeing how far you reach outside of that as well. So I'm happy to be here, man. Well, I got a confession to make. The turkey is on the three scoreboard, and I'm on zero still. But that's what they do. Oh. That's what they do. And and you you you're you're fairly new to it, right? Yeah, I've only been. This is like my third season, and and being as new yeah. as I am at officially trying to get into turkey hunting, um, I've done it different times, but I've never been like serious yeah. about it. I have. To, I think I'm real tough, and I got to go into it with archery hunting. And it's like today I would have had one today. I was I was close to one. Totally would have been dead if I had a shotgun. But I I've yeah. already shot one with one, so now I'm just like you know what? It's fun and everything. It's by no means um, I'm as passionate as I am about duck hunting. But yeah, yeah. he would have been done. He dead to rights, but not with the bow. I just couldn't take the shot. You hunt. You still you hunting with a decoy. Today, no, because they are so skittish because opening day was Saturday. And uh-huh. they will, they're hardly not calling at all. So it's really hard to locate them. You're basically glassing to find them. And you, uh-huh. I may, basically stalked in. I, I can't believe I even got as close as I did just stalking them because yeah. I had set up for two hours at first light. They didn't want to come by the way that I was at. So I was like, oh, I'll take a quick gander. And, and I seen them over there. And actually, believe it or not, I don't want to spoil it much, but it's okay. Um, these two toms, they're both monsters, big and long beards. One was a little bit bigger than the other, and they were thrashing each other. There was like four hens. What? Yes, I got it all on video too. They, it's I mean, so cra- dude, they get after it. Oh, too. and here's what's weird. I got oh, a question. Dinosaurs. If you've been doing it very long, you can maybe answer this because I thought, for the most part, when toms fight, I thought they spur each other. Um. Usually. They lock necks, right? Like okay, they that's what they necks. were. That's yeah. what they were doing yeah. today. They were yeah. they were chest to chest, and and in fact, they were about four hundred yards away when I first seen them in this meadow. I'm like, what in the world? I I could tell it looked like a turkey, but then again, I thought, well, maybe a coyote. They're fighting, or he's attacked. I I couldn't tell with the naked eye. So I got my camera, <laughs> I zoom in, and I hate to go all the way into this, and you're the guest on here, but it was so crazy. <laughs> I zoom in with my twenty power camera. And it's two toms. 
they are chest to chest. That was your opportunity. That oh, was your hey, opportunity right well, there. listen to this. So they're chest to chest. Their heads, I wouldn't say are wrapped around each other, but they are like locked. And they're falling over. I didn't know about what you just said about them locking up. But they're falling over, and they never <laughs> separated. So I'm thinking, my mind's playing games on me. <laughs> it's like I can only imagine what new duck hunters think when they see certain things because they're not used to it. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. what is going on here? And I'm like, wait a minute. This is my chance. <laughs> I grabbed my Dude, bow, yeah. and I went on a right. dead sprint right at him. Well, I'm not going to tell oh the rest of the story. But anyways, I got within 45 yards, and these stupid hens busted me and broke up mm, the whole deal yeah, but they're good for that uh, yeah good it, for that. it was a, it's crazy it's all on video yeah, but. but the thing about archery on turkeys with that you know the decoy should if like like i started using just like that kind of quarter strut jake mm-hmm. and um that's a guy they look at and they're like i could beat that dude up you know and he's already mm. like they, they I, for whatever reason that's one that they're pretty good about wanting to fight really and that's your opportunity to get drawn back you know if you're gonna if you're gonna stick with bow hunting Okay. Um, turkeys. So yeah, it was I've a, never bow hunted them. I just you know just, I, I I just like to kill them. So yeah. <laughs> um, uh, and man, you know I feel like I've watched a lot of videos too where like they really have to go looking for a turkey after they shoot it with a bow. You know, and it's not like there's yeah. a big blood trail and all that. So yeah, I know. I don't know. Who knows? Maybe I'll if I have some bad experiences where I shoot and they get away or something. I probably knit you know throwing. But if you own turkeys, that's like that's more than half the battle. You know. Yeah. Like. So you you already doing good. It was fun, you know. Like some people like think, oh, if I had a gun, you know, I sh- I could have did this. But at the same time, it's like, yeah, but the reward's not gonna be as good. I mean, it still is. Like, trust me, I wanted to bring oh, a turkey. gonna be. I wanted to yeah, bring a turkey home today, but like the reward's right. gonna be pretty sweet when I finally do get right. one. So and a little bragging uh-huh. rights amongst the buddies. So hell yeah! All right, enough of me. Let's get into Louisiana duck hunting. I I mean. I don't even know where to start here. Maybe you can help me out because I there's just um yeah man I'll 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 kind of talk about what I know you know um so I, I I think if you look back over the course of maybe like the last twenty years Louisiana used to um lead the you know the top five to top three of harvest you know ducks during duck season. So we'd be, you know, the state, one of the, you know, this, one of the top five states with the most harvested ducks. I'm sure some years we were number one. I know some years you guys were number one. Um, but anyway, it was, this was a, a place that ducks just naturally came because we're at the bottom of the, uh, I think we have, we have the Mississippi flyway, the Mississippi river flyway, but also I think we have some of the central, oh, okay. maybe like right on the Western side of the state. So like we had, you know, we're at the end of two flyways and, uh, the Mississippi river Delta close to where I live was just like prime habitat for a long time, just natural, good habitat, things they wanted to eat had plenty of room for them to rest. Uh, and then the Western part of the state, they were growing rice. So they had everything they needed over there. So like we were just, this was, you know, the place to be. And, uh, just so everyone kind of has a basic understanding. So we live on a, you know, on and around a Delta. Well, the Delta was, you know, that's some of your newest land in the entire continent. And so it was the first land to go when sea rise and wetlands loss started happening. So we've lost about a 
third of all of our wetland habitat wow. um, probably since like the 1920s. Wow. And the reason we lost it is it's a few different reasons. One, so like the, the, the habitat was built by the Mississippi River. So every spring you have these like big floods and the entire continent drains. Well, all that sediment drains with it. Mm-hmm. The sediment gets down here. It settles out and forms land. So that's like how Louisiana was built more or less. So I'm at the bottom part of that where like that land is, you know, fairly new and, uh, you know, 10, 15,000 years old. And, uh, it started to wash away since we, we levied the Mississippi river in the uh, late twenties to prevent it from these like catastrophic floods. Well, that was your building tool. That was your resource that built everything we have. So when they levied that up, it could no longer build. And then, um, they came in a few years later when oil was discovered in the wetlands and they started dredging pipeline canals. So, let's say they find a well out in the marsh somewhere out in the Delta or offshore and they want to run from the well, they want to run a pipe to where it needs to go. Well, they would come in and dig a trench because the pipe is, a, it's a straight pipe. It doesn't curve like a natural, you know, bayou or a natural, you know, uh, part of the river. So they would cut a straight ditch throughout the marsh and lay this pipe down to get from the, you know, oil, or gas well to where it needed to go inland Mm -hmm. and that just filled back filled with water and they never like went and dumped the the dirt back and filled that ditch back in so they basically went all across the coast and sliced and diced it and what that happened what happened with that was it it let salt water come in even faster and salt water can um kill a more freshwater marsh so over the years, habitat started dying, mar- wetlands started washing away, and ultimately it's affected the habitat for ducks. So we used to have tons and tons and tons of ducks. We still get a good amount, but they had less habitat, especially after the big hurricanes, Katrina and Rita. So that's where we're at now. Still very good duck hunting, still one of your top duck hunting states, but we're seeing a decline for many reasons, but habitat loss is one of them. Well, this may be a stupid question, but how did how did Hurricane Katrina affect? You're saying it affected the habitat because it just ripped. Yeah, so it basically, just ripped it up, what or? happened during Katrina? Katrina, like you know, you remember New Orleans flooded yeah. and all mm-hmm. that. So the reason all that flood happened was that she was such a big storm and she was slow moving. She built up a huge surge, like on the Mississippi Gulf Coast. That surge was like 31 foot. Um, I think when it hit where I live here in Violet, it was like came in at probably 15 foot, which means it was probably hitting our coast at, you know, 25, 30 foot. Wow. Yeah. So, so you can imagine that wall of water and that force of nature coming over these wetlands that are already degraded Mm -hmm. and already not being replenished by the Mississippi river. And it just freaking wiped them. So you've got acres and acres and acres, 200 acres that used to be like pocketed marsh now converted into 80 to 90% open water. Okay? Oh, wow. So that pocketed marsh used to be your duck habitat. It provided protection in places they wanted to be. So after Katrina, now your habitat's completely open. It's completely changed. And they just started adapting after that, I guess. You know, they either found different places to go or, um, you know, and then we added we added a lot more hunters over the last fifteen years too. So pressure went up, mm-hmm. habitat went down, mm-hmm. and now you're seeing the result of it. 
Well, okay, so I know I'm getting deep into this a little bit. I'm just curious. So yeah, I'm getting pretty deep the into salt, it too, The but, salt yeah. water, as it's coming in, and those waves are coming in to knock that habitat. So obviously it's it's ripping it up. It's If it's weak and degraded, right, it's ripping it up, and it makes it open water. But why can't, after it's done and it washes back out, grow back? Are you saying that that salt water basically took it over? Changed it, it, so, so like a marsh, you know, you, you hunt marsh. A marsh mm-hmm. consists of pockets of water yeah. and piles of marsh grass and land. So once that like pile of marsh grass and land is gone, the, the, the daily tides turn it all into the same depth. So it's not like mm-hmm. that, you know, that like oh, yeah. mound of mud or those pockets of mud where yep. the grass grew, they're, they're gone. They're washed away. You know, mm-hmm. they're, they're, they get into the water column and they wash, you know, to the top part of the basin. So, so it's just gone. It's not there anymore. Gotcha. I wasn't, I was thinking more of the salt water. And, was and, and in, in history, the river would just replenish, it, you know, like you'd have big hurricanes like that. The river would be like, all right, cool. You know, over the next 500 years, I'll just rebuild all that stuff and mm-hmm. it'll be fine. You know? But that that process doesn't happen anymore. So yeah. the duck habitat in South Louisiana has forever changed at mm-hmm. this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've seen so much, including your channel, which was with some really good videos about that and good information put out there. Like I said, guys, you need to check that out. Really, really good channel and uh, very interesting. And 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 to top it off, he cooks good at the end. So it's it's awesome to see people what if with whatever game they're they're harvesting they can do something with it so well let me ask you this jared were you taught that by your parents or just all the friends or just something you like to do like how do you know to cook how to cook all these different things so um while i didn't grow up hunting so let me i'll touch on that real quick too so uh my family lineage kind of starts in the bayous like it didn't start in the city so those folks you know they were they had to live off the land and that really went up even until my grandpa's generation, um, you know, growing up down on the bayou. And then when they, they, you know, they would supply the markets in new Orleans with seafood. So it, it was, it's always been a deep part of my heritage. However, as like things got more modernized, I think like my dad's generation, they didn't do all that stuff with their, um, with their dads. Mm-hmm. So they kind of, my dad didn't really take to it. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas city, go Kevin or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So it, it was almost lost completely at my generation. And just for whatever reason, I think, you know what I think it was? is like, I didn't grow up around it. We didn't really do it, even though it was around. Um, when I moved back from Katrina, so Katrina sent me kind of like on a one-year hiatus from Louisiana. But when I moved back, I was like, so happy to be back and just happy to be around our culture again. I started dipping into the hunting and fishing part of the culture. I was like, Oh my gosh, this is awesome. Or someone had shown me this. And I just, like you said, went all in, got obsessed, but I had always grown up around food culture being 
from, uh, you know, I'm, I grew up 20 minutes from downtown New Orleans. And New Orleans is one of the food meccas, cooking meccas of the entire world. So I think everything we did revolved around food my entire life. And my mom was a really good cook growing up. And, you know, all the local restaurants had really good dishes. And, like, there was all these, like, unique special dishes about Louisiana that I grew up around. So I just always had an appreciation for good food. Like I always wanted Me to go. Me too, brother. <laughs> yeah, I always wanted to go the extra mile when yeah. I'm preparing my food. Like I don't want to make bland food. I don't yeah, want right. to make half-assed food. Like I want the food to be like something you eat at a restaurant. So I, that was something I always had. And so it was really just a matter of taking the stuff I was hunting with and trying to make it and match it like the restaurant food. And sometimes that worked and sometimes it didn't, but that's what I wanted. You know, always, it was going to be good. You know, I wasn't just going to do it halfway, wrap it in bacon and throw it in the grill. Right. I'm like, no way, there's got to be something, you know. Mm. So it just, it really went hand in hand with the, the way I was brought up and how good of a cook my mom was coming up and just the local restaurants. I mean, you got to realize we have crawfish boils on the weekend, like as, as, as gatherings, you know, so yeah. it's like, almost all of our weekend gatherings were centered around food coming up too. So it's almost like if you grow up down here, the bar is already set and raised for you to understand food and to appreciate food and to know how to cook. Yeah. That one video you did with, um, you guys went out to that, you were out in the bayou and you were out on that. I don't know what you guys call that. It's like a floating, uh, I don't know if it's floating or just how you guys, it looks like it's floating, but that how, I say houseboat, but that's not what it is. I'm sure. Were you guys cooked up all that food? Um, I know you do that a lot, so you're probably like, "What are you talking about?" Man, what was the name of that video? I am trying to think of what you're talking about. You, it was, was a bunch it? of your, you and your buddies. The, the, the uh, guy who told the story about the truck being down in the, in the ramp. No, nah, I, I got probably. Well, I'm there trying to remember what you guys cooked around the, around the little camp. Oh, the one on the barbecue one you're talking about. No, no, no. I'm talking about the one. I think I know which one you're talking about. You're talking about the one. It had the gumbo with it again. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, those are like, um, we call that a camp. So anytime duck there's like a, a little camp. cabin out in the woods or in the marsh, we call it a camp. Yeah. So it was on a stable, a very stable little island out in the marsh. Okay. Oh, my goodness. That food you guys were cooking out there. I know. And just the way you guys know, like. That's like, that's what you grow up around. So whether regardless of whether or not you hunt or not, you grow up around that type of food and that like regard for cooking it's, like it's you better be come culture, with it if right? you invite people to come to your house and cook you better come with it you can't like yeah it's gotta be good it, i mean this is a funny question but like <laughs> i've asked you this before does everybody know how to cook good there it seems like unless Not it's just the people you're around there's definitely some people who take it more serious than others like or you get like a lot of people who like who their mom was a good cook and they didn't learn from her, you know? So now it's like they still kind of depend on mom uh, to cook. Yeah. And that's not going to cut it. Once you get your own house, you got to be, a, you know, you got to be able to throw down. So. <laughs> throw down. Dude, no. I, another one you did, you guys were smoking some stuff with those guys. They had that um, uh, portable, uh, well, it wasn't a smoker. It was a, it was Yeah, like so a, that was two guys who've, like, devoted their lives to barbecue. Phil yeah. uh, Wingo with Pork Mafia has traveled around the world teaching barbecue classes. He sells that line of seasonings, Park Mafia. And then the other guy, John Haney, um, he's kind of on the other – He's a, he does the barbecue thing too, the competitions and stuff from time to time. But he builds these like 
really cool grills. He's like back ordered for a year. So I took those two dudes. I'm like, all right, y'all going to take this wild pig. Let me see how y'all do it. And they really didn't do it very much different from what you would do domestic pig. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was, uh, you guys, he had my mouth watering. So one of the questions I want to ask, and I'm sure it varies on region and where out you're at, but what's the predominant duck in Louisiana that is kind of the main thing harvested? Um, I think number one is gadwall. Okay. Um, that's like, that's our mallard. You know, the gadwall is our mallard. That's your duck that you probably see the most of. People and probably enjoy to hunt the most. Um, I think number two, I'd have to look. It's probably green wing teal, but for me, it's blue wing teal. In fact, number one for me personally, the area I hunt is blue wing. Teal. Okay. We'll hold blue wings from September to now. You know, there's still blue wings in our marsh. So you're getting very so, plumed out blue wings then, if you want. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. By okay. about December, you you know you should start seeing some trophies show up. Yeah. Okay. So do you guys have a lot of people? November, but. Do you guys see coming people from coming from out of town just to harvest a blue wing because they've never shot one? Before? No, it's funny you say that, but no, I, I've like, I don't know why. I don't. I don't know if it's like people just don't. That's not a bird they they care as much about or whatever. But that's weird. Yeah, like it's. I know. I know. It's rare to hear somebody like, "Yeah, I got to go to Louisiana shoot my my you know my blue wing." So, well, that's good to know. It's that common, but. Because at some point, if I wouldn't have shot one, I would have came there. Because I, I, I did not shoot my first blue wing until I think it was three years ago. After, after 20 years one? of hunting. What's that? Was it a good one? Oh, yeah. No, they, well, yeah. I, let me rephrase that. So two came, a, a pack of five came in, and Thomas shot, missed, and they did their, you know, flare up. At least they do here. I'll, I'll have something to say about that. But. They went straight up, and that just that's one of my favorite shots, right? They're flushing up. And I doubled with two drakes. Well, it was early season, so they weren't that plumed out, but I ended up shooting a, a nice one later on. And then now yeah. it seems like more guys are getting them. So, it, you know, it's just the cycle because, you know, yeah. we, we went through some years, you wouldn't never see any widgeon. And then the last two years, there have been so many widgeon. And then you go through some years – you know, like I was talking to you, I hadn't shot a cinnamon till in like three years. And then this year I, we shot so many, my goodness, we shot so many <laughs> and we shot some last year too, but it was just, it was just nuts. This year was yeah. over, over the top and I'm sure part of that was because of weather and stuff. But <clears throat> yeah, I was just, I was asking that because, you know, like you said, I, I, I commonly hear a lot about, okay, blue wings, blue wings, you know, central flyway. And you're saying you're on the edge of both the Mississippi and the central. So it's like, I don't understand and get why if you're having birds down there as far as blue wings goes to that time, that would be, to me, it sounds like one of the best places to go to shoot your blue wing because they don't stick around in Kansas. I know that till late season. Yeah. I don't know. And look, I only know a few guys who are chasing that. So like, but I, but I, I even know it's a lot true. of the guides around here. I've never heard anyone say, yeah, man, I get a lot of guys coming down who want to shoot their blue wing. We do get a lot of guys coming down who want to shoot their model, though. Mm. Um, but I haven't really heard a lot of people come here to shoot their blue wing. So it is a good place to come. Like I said, I've shot a, like a beautiful plumed out blue wing as early as November. Wow. So now speaking of model duck, you had my ears ringing right there. That's one on the list I got to get. I mean, is that – is it still pretty hard to harvest or is it fairly easy? Man, they're just, they're, they live here. So like 
they know exactly what a duck hunting setup looks like. You okay. can catch them slipping definitely early in the season um, or like early in the morning before it's real, real too bright. You can catch them slipping, but they're probably the most frustrating duck we have because like you'll see them coming. And you're like, oh, they're coming, they're coming, and I can call it. I'm like, they're not coming because they know they see that duck hunting setup. And I think just at that stage too, like they don't want to be around that many ducks. So when they see that many decoys, they're like, I'm, you know, that's not for me. So you could definitely, like if you, if you made it a goal to come down and shoot one, we could get you one, but we may have to change tactics like, and just focus on the model ducks. So if I was going to do that, I would leave like my bigger pond and I'd go to some little potholes and kind of hunt them with like maybe four decoys or or no decoys, Mm -hmm. you know, just being a pothole that, you know, they like. So I got another question for you on the model ducks. Do you, how do you feel? Do you feel like they're smarter than mallards or because people talk about black ducks. I kind of all think of them in similar smartness, you know, and being wise and stuff. But I've heard some people say, oh yeah, black ducks are really hard. They're really smart. And then some guys are like, oh, we can get them pretty easy. How do you feel about model ducks? Yeah, I mean, like I said, I, you know, they, they're extremely frustrating because they know, they see it, that you're in their house. It's not like they migrated there and they live there, you know? So like, I think they know what a duck hunting setup looks like, especially like a few weeks into the season. You know, it seems like early we're able to trick a few, but after a couple, you know, a week or two of hunting, they're like, ah, yeah, that's duck hunters, that's duck hunters. I'm going to this little pothole that I visit every day when y'all aren't around and they, you know, I just love seeing people. I think they're going to trick them. Mm-hmm. I'm like, dude, put the duck call down. You're not like, it's not going to happen, you know? So yeah, I mean, I, I think they're smarter. So, they're not smarter. They're just more adapted to the environment because they live there, you know? Well, as far as decoys go, like you said, using a small spread, I know we've had to do that with, with mallards at times when they, like you said, when they get smart, We'll put one or two out, and maybe three, and we'll put them away, a little bit away from us, and probably won't yeah. use a spinner because they know what those are. On a model duck, what kind of decoys are you using? And like, you've already kind of said tactics a little bit, but what's some of your tactics? So this is the thing. Like, it's rare to see a group of more than six model ducks together. Okay, just naturally. So I think that's part of it is that like they get around these decoy spreads that are 12 and 24 or more ducks and they're like, yeah, we don't like even being around that many ducks. Mm. So if I was to do it, I would just go with like, you know, if like I I really couldn't get them to, a lot of times you are able to pass shoot them in a situation like that. Like they will come quite, you know, just closer. But like say you came down and you're like, dude, my only goal is to shoot a model duck. Yep. Well, we schedule out, you know, let's just say three days. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, let's start off the first day just on a normal hunt. So you could shoot some other species. And if like, we don't even see one, maybe the second day I'm like, all right, let's go in these little pot, you know, potholes and, and try them there. And I would, you know, if, like I knew you were coming in on that trip. I would definitely buy some black duck decoys. Oh, okay. And just use that. Cause okay. that looks like a model duck. You know, it's plenty. A black duck decoy is plenty close enough to looking like a model duck. I wouldn't put out like mm-hmm. mallard decoys or something like that. You mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. Well, that that brought me something else up then. So that's good to know those tactics on that. Now, I'm when you say small potholes and you're going to hunt those. Um, my thoughts are, what is it like in your guys's 
um, potholes. How's the mud? How deep's the mud? How sticky is it? How deep's the water? Like all of that. Like I'm trying to see. Yeah. So like the vast majority. So I you, getting back to the Katrina thing. So Katrina took marsh that like may have had pot, you know, pockets and potholes and turned it into a lot, a lot of open water. And that open water is shallow. It could be one foot or less deep, but it's open water. So the way a lot of us hunt, we hunt in that open water. Yeah. Um, and I will build, I personally will build uh, a blind out of just brush and pull my entire boat into it. I have a gator tail um, motor with a, a shallow water aluminum boat. And I just pull the entire boat into that brush pile and hunt that way yeah. most days. Now, in most situations, that's like, like I said, probably a foot of water or less with like really organic mud with no bottom. Like you can't step off and, oh, wow. and expect to be able to walk. Wow. Um, so like that there are works. some places with like where the bottom has like maybe six inches of silt and then it starts to get a little firm, but that's rare. Like if there's a spot in, in on our coast that you can walk in your pond, you might want to go buy a lottery ticket. You know, really? like it's, oh. it's that, you know, oh. I don't want to say that rare, but it's pretty dang rare. That just burns. That makes my legs just ache. Just hearing but about that kind of mud. See why the gator tail was born here, mm -hmm. you know, and, mm -hmm. and the, you know, the, the surface drive, that's why, because like, your only other option is to dig your way through that stuff with a, you know, a push pull or a canoe style boat called a P-Rog. So mm -hmm. when they had developed a motor that could go through that stuff and do it efficiently, that's when like people are like, Oh, that's how you're supposed to get around in this stuff. Yeah. Cause I mean, like hearing about that mud, like we'll have places that are easy. I mean, it's like a dream walking in because it's a refuge, right? It's just, it's, it's taken care of. And there is bottom to it, and it's pretty solid. And then you'll go to some places. Of course, there's going to be a bottom, but they'll double and triple plow it. And, I mean, it's going up to your knees, and every every step just about feels like it's ripping your hip bone out of the socket. So I can – that just makes me cringe hearing about that mud right there. So that's what I was going to do is roll right into the boat situation. Um, I have not yet, but the Delta out here, everybody uses boats out in the Delta, maybe probably kayaks too. As far as for duck hunting, I'm talking about, but I'm just curious because there's miles and miles and miles of waterway here in the Delta. How is it there in Louisiana when you grab your duck boat? Because you pretty much said it. You, if you're going to duck hunt Louisiana, you need a duck boat. Is what you were basically telling me the other day. Um, you don't how, need one. Uh -huh. I mean, you can get by with you know a regular aluminum boat and outboard and uh we call our canoes p-rogs they're not exactly a canoe it's got a flat bottom but you know you hear me say that word again i'm just explaining what that is so you can definitely hunt that way um and there are some places where that's probably even better and you know, but a lot of us are, are hunting those marshes that katrina tore up so you just have these like long big pieces of you know like i said one foot or less water where you have to run a half a mile across that stuff to get to your spot. So. Mm. Well, that's what I was going to ask is how deep does make sense from the, the coast will like, so go to the actual coast where you're all the way at the ocean in inland. Yep. How far yep. can you have to run just to go from the, from land to the outside edge of the coast? I mean, could that be a long way sometimes? For me, it would be way, yeah, really long ways. Um, mm. 
gosh, I don't even know. Uh, probably about 90 miles or so, I would think. And that's all I, wetland. I, don't in quote there? me on that. I, I think I think New Orleans is 90 miles from the Gulf. So wow. I'd be, you know, I'd probably be like 75 or something like that. But um, and that's yeah, like all we bay? have, huh? That's all like wetlands and bay. Yeah, it's all wetlands. Wow, that is yeah, yeah wetlands, large bays. Huge. Um, yeah. So if I if I plan on being in the Gulf, I'm going to drive my truck at least another you know 20 miles from my house. But we like to, if if you can access the Gulf, we like to go to uh, Venice, which is like kind of the last settlement on the river. Mm-hmm. And then you're not too far from the Gulf from there. I'd have to look that one up. But I think from Venice straight down the river, it might be like 20 to 30 miles. But don't quote me on that one. I'm not 100% sure. But it's not. It's like, you you know, once you drive to Venice in your truck, you've cut the majority of the distance. You need to travel by boat. Hmm. So what what would you say that's your kind of favorite duck hunting? Maybe species or style or like what do you like to do most? Man, I like what I just said, you know, you and two buddies and, you know, pull that mud boat into the, to the brush pile and just cut up and have fun from there. You know, mm-hmm. it's uh we hunt almost all private land. So you're not like trying to beat somebody there and get your spot and all that. Your spot's already yours. You pay for it. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I just, there's just something about that. Like those first few you know, it's first month or so of the season where it's like you and the buddies haven't done it all year. You're, you know, you get in that mode, the hunting's good. So I really, really enjoy the, the cultural social aspect of the duck hunting here. That's so true. I'm down for like a hardcore adventure, like yeah. public land, go find them all that. But it's just more so that like cultural deal. Mm-hmm. Well, explain that. What's your idea of the cultural deal? deal? Uh, like I said, man, it's like, it's, it's togetherness, it's gathering, it's, you know, you, you know, so many people down here do it at the, at our boat launches in the morning, you're seeing this guy and you're seeing that guy, even though y'all aren't hunting together, you know, it's like, I may not have seen him since last duck season. So, Hey man, how you doing? How's the kid? Blah, blah, blah. Mm. And then you go on your hunt with your closest friends, you know, and or family or whatever. And it's like, so then you're in there together, little boat ride, shoot some ducks go home it's you know november december we got nice weather football's on tv you're throwing something in a pot letting it cook (laughs) slow in the oven like Mm -hmm. going to these camps these cabins out in the marsh out in the woods so to me it's just it's those social aspects of the duck hunting that i like probably more than shooting a duck break the public land chase Wherever they are, like I'd almost rather go to the same spot every time and shoot what's available and be able to enjoy all the social aspects of it rather than like waking up at 2 a.m., beating everyone there, beating everyone to the spot, maybe having a really epic hunt because you did that. But at the end of that, you're drained. You you know, it's just I I like the social aspects of duck hunting. I probably Mm. might be a little bit more hardcore of a big game hunter, like more willing to do that Mm. big game. But for ducks, I really just like Mm. hanging out in the blind with the buddies. Now it's about making these YouTube videos. So, by the way, how do you like trying to film and duck hunt at the same time? 
I always hated filming duck hunts, <laughs> even when like even when I was just the cameraman. Oh man, I probably hated it more that way because like it's such a challenge. They're they're mm-hmm. so small. They come in from a distance, so you're trying to focus on them at a distance. You have brushing your way. Yep. As they get close, you got people shooting around you. You know, blowing your eardrums off like, and the footage is not that great. Honestly, yeah. because they, just because of the nature of how they fly and what they do, and you, you don't know which which way. Even like even when you're on them, and you're like, let's say they come in, and you know, they, somebody shoots and they start to flare. So you're like, oh, this is the closer, and he's gonna shoot that one for sure. And then he shoots the one three ducks down. Oh, I know. And you didn't get the shot. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, so, so yeah, it's it's frustrating. I need to get even after all this time. I still need to get better at it. I still need to probably utilize those, like, you know, the action cams more because, like, those are going to get it. Even though, see, here's the frustrating thing about that, though. Like, you wear that GoPro on your head. Well, damn, that duck looks like he's – you can't even see him in right. the end video, you know? So, it's it, dude, it's frustrating. Now, the shot mm-hmm. cam changed the game for sure. Like, it helped a lot. A lot. Because <laughs> that cleans up, you know, you can even not even get on a clip and get that, and people are happy with that, you know, and you're happy with that. I mean – you know, but yeah, <clears throat> kind of going back to something, I kind of skipped over that because I was just going to ask you that, but on the cultural thing, from what it sounds like to me here in Utah, it almost sounds like everybody in Louisiana is a lot more easygoing and, and sociable and kind and friendly to each other. Is that true? Or is that, uh, that you still got those guys out there that want to fight and, and <laughs> chase each other? You know what I mean? Yeah, no, it's definitely, uh, yeah, it's a jolly place, you know? Mm. Like, we may not have the best social systems and government and all that, but we damn sure are going to have a good time. We're going to eat something good. Mm. So I think... Even the, with strangers, yeah, just strangers and everything, people huh? who, What's that? Even with strangers, like you said, you meet seeing guys oh, at the boat yeah, dock. Yeah. You, I mean, seen... you know, you hear it all the time, people who came down here to hunt, and, and people just open their doors to them, you know, mm. fed them something, and... Made sure they had a good time. So I think that that's that's part of whether you hunt or not. That's part of that like New Orleans, yeah. East South Louisiana, Cajun culture. See, and that's something to be said though that I wish you know. I wish I was just better at. Like I feel like sometimes I go to places out of state that the culture is like that. About it's all about just eating good food and like sitting on the porch drinking sweet tea. And it's like I go, you guys entertain so good. It doesn't seem like they do much. It's not like they're doing much. But it's like how they do it and how they approach it makes you feel at home. You laugh a lot. You're just having a good time. It's like, what am I doing wrong? Like, I feel like I'll do my best if I have people out here to entertain. But it's just something different. It's like something in the air or the, like you said, the something different. It's weird. Yeah. Kind of like North, yeah, my, like, my, my North and South like Carolina. You want to show, you want to showcase it too, right? Like, mm. Like if you were to come here, I'd be like, man, I don't want to show him, you know, shrimp po' boys, and I want to, you know, show him this. So it's like you, you're trying to, you you have mm-hmm. a pride about where you're from, so you're trying to showcase. It. Yeah, yeah, that, and you just know that that's probably why it's like that for me is because I, I I I like California weather, I like California hunting. I, there's so many things about California love. Where I mean, I'm an hour and a half from the coast. I'm an hour hour from the mountains. I'm an hour and a half from the the you know, the sand dunes. I mean, like, you can go anywhere and do anything here, and the weather's great. But I guess a lot of us Californians that are good people that, you know, like to do these type of things, um, 
we are frustrated with just how things go on. So I guess that's that could be sometimes take away from the pride of it, you know. It's just like right, you know, like oh, where are you from? And you're like mm, California, you know. <laughs> and it's not because California is bad; it's what is how it's run, you know, and the politicians in the really big cities. And because a lot, I, I mean, trust me, I've I've been out of state in other states, and when you say from, you're from California, they, I mean, they just they look at you like you're Satan himself, and it's like, hey yeah. man, you know, you do know that we have eighty, you know. 70% of our land is ag land. I mean, we're farmers. We're, you know, we're farmers. We're, uh, you know, uh, growing crops and we do an ag and we're, you know, good old country people. It's like, it's not all San Francisco, you know, <laughs> like, you know, LA. And I'm not saying good people don't live there. I'm just saying like, that's the mindset is big city, you know, and rude people yeah. and blah, 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 you know. Right. You know, and a lot of people don't realize, like, a lot of people who live in California aren't from California. And it's rare you find, like, multi-generational Californians. Well, down here, hell, man. I mean, our folks started arriving in the 1700s, you know, so it's it's a lot. Deep, deep-rooted. Deeper roots. Yeah, yeah, deeper roots. And that culture has been established for longer. But, dude, I, I loved California, like. I what, were you, what, after, what were you doing out here? I stayed there a little bit after Katrina. So, like, I was in college during Katrina, and oh. um, the the University of New Orleans had to shut down because of, you know, flooded and all the damage and all that stuff. So uh, I, I found this national exchange program where, like, you know, they have, like, foreign exchange. Yeah. You go to other countries. Well, this was, like, just national schools across the country. Mm. And I was like, well, damn. I looked at the map, and I picked the closest school to the ocean. I was like, I just want to go live on the ocean for a few months. That'd be awesome. California, uh, CSU Monterey Bay. Oh, that's where I wound up. And, yeah. Um, when you get there, and like, I felt like, I guess when you grow up around cities that big, everybody has to like has have a little bit of personal sacrifice. You know, like you almost have to like sacrifice a little bit of yourself for the greater good. Mm-hmm. And I felt like most everybody in California was like that. Like, they just, you know, that was just part of who they were. So like, I remember we we go to get burritos. And, like, everybody's eating, and these dudes are like, here, try mine. And they shared a burrito, like, this, you know, they, like, took a bite of the same burrito. And, I, like, for me, whatever reason, I was like, oh, that's what people in California like. Like, I no. felt like they were, you know, and I could be wrong. No. But I felt like <laughs> no. No? Okay. Yeah, we don't share coffee. each other's food. I don't even it let my weird. wife eat like, off my I've plate, never man. I've seen anything like that before. I'm like, I guess it's just like a brother. No, you know, no, like, no, no, no. Everybody feels like we in this together, I guess. I don't know. No, man. That just gave me the willies here and that right there. Hey, we. Okay. I don't even I don't even let my wife for eat my food. Reason, like, that spoke to me, and this is what spoke to me, too. So, like, I'm getting into the dorm room. I'm eating, like, it wasn't a dorm room. It was, like, um... We each had our own room, and then we had a living room, and there were six of us in there. So, like, I'm eating everybody, and there was one guy who was there from Southern California with his parents, and I had met the mom first, and the girl's like, yeah, I'm here, you know, blah, blah. She's like, oh, you went through Katrina. I'm like, yeah. So then the dad comes in, and she's like, oh, Bob, come meet uh, Jared. He's here from New Orleans, and he went through Katrina. And the dude, I swear to God, he looks at me, and he goes, bummer. And I was like, that's California. He said bummer? Yeah, that's what he said. Like, not like, oh man, did you lose your house or whatever. He's like, oh, bummer. I was like, all oh, right, cool, yeah. man, California now. That's so that totally was like one of the other sides of like sharing the burrito. That was one of the other things that stuck out to me. I'm like, 
That's, That's so, cool. So yeah. funny, man. That's so funny. It's like first impressions are everything, right? Like I just felt like people tried to get along out there. I don't know. I could be wrong, but I just felt like it was like there was just more of this like collectivism, you know, less individualism and more collectivism. Hmm. What do you mean, like, as far as people out here, you're saying they try to get along, like it was hard for them to to do, or what do you mean? No, more so like, like I said, it's just, you know, down in the South, I think, like, while we all are friendly and all that, it's it's like there's a lot of emphasis placed on being an individual and your personal freedom and what's right for you and your family. Whereas, like, I felt like they were, like, more um, like what's best for all of us, you know? Mm. What sacrifices can we make to, to make it better for all of us? Oh, and yeah. It's just, yeah. You see what I'm saying? Like, uh-huh. it, was, it was like, and, and, and look, it's hard to reflect back on it because it was almost 15 years ago now, but I just, I remember that, that stuck out to me for whatever reason. And, and that's why I'm saying about the burrito. It was like, they didn't, he didn't look at it as my burrito. At that point it was our burrito. I'm like, <laughs> okay, cool. Oh, that's so <laughs> nasty, dude. I get out. Yeah, I, don't, I don't think I've had you know, people in college are dumb. So oh, like, that, dude, that's that's, was, that's but... the big part of it right there. <laughs> I had but... never seen anybody in Louisiana say, Hey dude, this burrito is really good. You want to try it? No, I've never seen that myself. That's why I'm like, I'm like wondering if that's some type of beach bum deal. Like I, I know a good buddy of mine named Caleb. He he did some filming with us last year. Incredible guy, great photography and all that stuff. And I'm gonna have to ask him about that because he's like from Santa Barbara or somewhere down. I'm gonna see like, hey, you guys share burritos down there? <laughs> he's probably gonna be like, what? What are you talking about? Oh, but I was trying to use that as a yeah. way to describe, yeah, yeah. like you know what I'm saying. Like yeah. just, I just felt like there was like this weird brother. Yeah. Whereas like down here, it's like okay, I'm gonna take care of me and my family. You take care of you and your family. If something goes yeah. wrong, give me a call. Yeah. You know. Whereas like I felt like them, they were like, okay, we we're a, we're a big society here, and you know, there may be things we need to do to make it best for everybody. Yeah. So. Oh, it's totally, it totally is like that. But, but I loved it. I, like, dude, I had it. Like, it would be if I ever. So, like, did you ever a, eat a burrito? Choice of place to live that would definitely be high on the list. So, did you ever share burrito? I'm, I don't remember. Like, I probably, you know, I might have been like, "Well, if that's how y'all do things here. Try mine." You know, <laughs> I really don't remember. Oh, but man, I, so I, I, did, I did discover horchata. That was freaking. Oh awesome. yeah, dude. That's some good yeah. stuff right there. So, did you get to eat at any good taco trucks and all that good stuff? I mean, dude, I, we stayed on campus for mm-hmm. a vast majority of that. So, like, we just ate campus food. And mm-hmm. if we went off campus, there wasn't – I, you know, I remember we, there was, like, one taco place we would go to. But um, definitely wasn't the food culture, I'll say that. Yeah. So, taco trucks aren't really big over on the coast. They're more, like – No, I don't Valley. remember seeing one, honestly. Mm-hmm. Now, when we got to Southern California, you'd see stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I went Central, visited there. Central Valley is a dime a dozen, and they're all pretty good, actually. Just gotta watch out yeah. every once in a while. There's those bad ones that'll get you. But uh, man, I'm trying to. I I mean, we've been going for close to an hour now. I feel like we haven't <laughs> scratched the surface. Oh, no. I don't I know, know if there's I anything. I know. It's. I always feel like the first podcast with somebody is always just the the icebreaker, and then you get down to the meat and potatoes later on the next one. So we're definitely gonna do another one. Is there anything that you want to? Um, uh, say or mention before we wrap this up i feel like there's well i just you know um it's cool seeing what you do on youtube it's good for guys who are just starting out like me to see okay you know there is there is a 
there is a light at the end of the tunnel. You know, um, if you work on these things enough, they can be successful. So I do enjoy watching yours for that reason, but also it's a good channel. You know, you do a good job. I love seeing the dog work and you're a good shot, you know, watching hot shot cam. So I just want to thank you for taking interest in mine, even though like yours is huge compared to mine, you know? Um, so, no, no, no. I appreciate that. No, I didn't. I didn't mean for you to have to say anything like that. I was just saying if there's anything else from Louisiana. No, I, Hutton, I wanted to. I wanted yeah. to stop and, and thank you. Know. No, I appreciate that. I always try to express gratitude. You know? And and just give you guys a little sneak peek. Um, we'll see how this goes, but we're we're gonna probably be having um Jared come on the channel. A little collab that we're gonna have going on that I think you guys are really gonna like. It involves a turkey and stuff like that. So. Yeah, I'm gonna cook a turkey burrito, and I'm gonna I'm gonna send it. I'm gonna pack and take it a bite up of it, fresh. and then send it to I'm me. I'm gonna take I'll a bite. I'm gonna pack it up fresh <laughs> and send it to you, and you're gonna have to take a bite of it too. And we shall forever be bonded, as burrito brothers. <laughs> burrito brothers to the end, my friend. <laughs> oh my goodness, that's so funny. Well, that yeah, fun. other other things too. I, I don't want to say there's some involvements there with Jared that we got going on, but I'm gonna keep that under wraps. So you guys just have to. Um, be in the dark with you know the whole situation, but I, I really some really cool big stuffs coming up this year. I I cannot wait for duck season already. I was good. I was like three weeks in after season. I'm like you know I'm pretty good. I'm I'm I need a break and yeah, three ducks, three mallards locked up and landed in a little sewage pond the day I was watching. I was like oh yeah, I'm ready. Yeah, see if I'm out in the turkey woods, I could care less. About really. Oh gosh, it, it it is my favorite animal to hunt. Really? What? Yeah. Like, okay, so Dog what is it for my you? favorite style of hunting? Mm -hmm. Just because of the social aspect, but the animal that mm. is the turkey, he's so amazing, man. And the fact that like he'll talk to you, and you can talk to him, and you can influence him, and he can influence you, and then there's the chess game of like what move you're gonna make. Mm. It's and, a and maybe because it's so short lived too. You know, like it's it's not nearly as long as duck season, and mm. yeah, it, it's like the only thing because like during duck season, I'm focused on deer hunting too. You know, if we mm. see a pig, we're gonna shoot a pig. But like during turkey season, I am focused just on him. Like I'm obsessed with him, and then just that noise of him being in that tree waking up goblin. Like, dude, I don't know, man. I, gosh, it's <laughs> I love it. <laughs> you 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 talk about them like we talk about mallards cupping up into the decoys. I, hey, you know hey, what? That's good too. It's all yeah. good. That's the yeah. thing. It's all good. It's yeah. all good stuff. Hey, so now I, I'm invested. Like in your deal, I, I can't wait to see you blast one with that uh, freaking bow. Hey, I ain't gonna lie. After today, I I it's not that I lack confidence, but I did think to myself because I am getting it in them. But my thoughts were, I wonder if I will harvest one. It, will I break down and say oh, I'm just gonna use my shotgun because I know I can get one if I use a shotgun? I feel like yeah. that. Anyways. Try to decoy. Try to try get you a quarter skirt, quarter strut, Jake. Okay. Try that. Okay. Because he's gonna see that, and dude, if he's got any type of dominance to him, he's gonna see that little Jake trying to puff up and be like, "This is my lady." Dude, he's coming in. I guarantee you today. Him long enough for you to get drawn back. If I would have had that, like you're saying, these birds are already like call shy. That that kind of surprises me for Rios, especially. But but it is. Uh, well, I'll tell you this: when you have a meadow, and I've never seen it like this. This is the first year, and I, I've talked to guys that done it for a long time. So I'm only three years in, so I can't really have a. I don't have a lineage there. But I was talking to guys that've been doing a long time out here, and they're saying there's literally like five times as many guys out there hunting. As, the, mm -hmm. as normal and that was just yeah. opening day 
But I've never seen nothing like it. The, Travis was out there, and he said there was literally like six other groups in the same um, meadow. And I'm like, why would you even want to hunt with one guy in that meadow, let alone five yeah. other groups? That's that's insane. Like that's really yeah, you crazy. Can't, you can't get off and get away from the crowd. No. Well, no. not right. The opening day is just nuts. It's like any other yeah. sport. That seems guy like. in your video that killed me with, oh. the, with the black sweatshirt. Okay, like, what are you, doing, you know, dude? as you as being a turkey a, per, a professional turkey hunter, is that normal? Like, I was like, that doesn't seem like no. Something you that do. is like rule number one. You wear camo <laughs> head to toe. I wore a brown hat the other day and I felt like an idiot. Oh my goodness! Like I was like, like what a turkey in the world. Boy. He'll pick that now. Maybe what you said made sense. There was a burn, and he thought he maybe thought it was still a burn, but it sounded like he's just a goober. <laughs> I hope that guy <laughs> don't watch the channel and sitting there. I mean, I didn't say nothing bad about hey, him. Hey, maybe but... he's the best, and he knows something we don't know. But yeah, he looked like we call it a kuya, like a a, a goofball. You know? <laughs> kuya. <laughs> and I'm watching. I'm like, look at this kuya. <laughs> <laughs> I love you guys' lingo. You gotta teach me some if I ever get down there one of these days. You gotta teach me some of that lingo. I actually hunt with a guy. Uh, a group of guys in Canada and they were all Cajun guys and dude, he he was actually he was actually um Tabasco's chef. Uh they call it something chef. Charity no ch- charity chef? Well f- something to do with he was Tabasco's main head chef and I'm thinking, why does Tabasco need a chef? But he oh, was there they're freaking billionaires. He said there it's his head chef and and Oh my goodness! That guy cooked for us one night because really he didn't need to because obviously he paid. For, they paid for the trip. Right. Oh my goodness! Right. Oh my goodness! That guy could cook so good. But anyways, yeah. all his lingo, he would say things. He was super strong though. His his accent was strong, strong. Come on! Strong. Wow. But you guys probably, I'm sure, when you get together, you all kind of get a little bit stronger, huh? Yeah, like mine's not too bad. Mm-mm, it's um, not. My wife's got a little bit stronger one than me, but like, if, you know, I'm at like the camp or drinking a few beers. You'll be like, who is this guy? <laughs> well, hey, give me, wish me good luck on this turkey season. I, I, I as a guy named uh, William that uh, works for Tetra, he was telling me about the story of this guy that hunted this gobbler, the same gobbler, and it took him 84 tries to kill him. So I'm really, really hoping <laughs> that it don't take me 84 you tries. Should, yeah, I mean, it g- sounds like you damn near had him today. Oh. So, you know what? I feel oh. like I just kind of blew it. I just feel like I I was aggressive getting in there, which was good. It worked out. But then at the last second, I tried to get just a little bit more because of Bo, you know? And that little yeah, sucker, right. their eyes, I've, I've never Did seen. Did they bust you? Oh, the hens did. That's right. Well, the hens kind of did, but then they didn't seem. It's a long story, but it's yeah. it's all it's all documented. But like, it's yeah, like, I, oh, well, I'm following along. I'm uh, looking forward to. All right, I'm gonna do. I'm gonna call you out. I'm gonna shout you out when I finally like. I did it, Jared. Please do. All right, man. Thanks for coming on the show. I appreciate it. Okay, buddy. Have a good one. All right. Well, guys, thanks for listening. We'll see you on the next episode.